you can turn over in your in your bulletin to page two. You'll see at the bottom, going on to the next page, is our scripture passage this morning. We're going to be studying the Gospel of Luke, Luke's account of that first Easter Resurrection Sunday morning. Uh, the last few weeks here at Emmanuel, we've been asking ourselves, where was Jesus 2,000 years ago on this particular day? And so two weeks ago, it was, okay, well, what was Jesus doing two weeks before Easter? Uh, last week, it was one week before, and then Thursday night, a couple of days before, and and now we ask, where was Jesus? What was Jesus doing on that very first Easter Sunday morning and and evening. In fact, that's what our passage gives us. It gives us one scene from the morning and one scene from the evening, and we'll take in this day, all to not just get a, a history lesson, but to try to hone in on who this Jesus really is. That's the question we've been asking. Who is this Jesus? And we'll look at our passage and try to reflect on that together. Let's first read... Uh, beginning at verse 1 of Luke 24, uh, listen to God's word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold... Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Uh, but remem remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking inside, looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling. What, he had, what had happened. Then uh, we pick up uh, later in the evening, that very same day. As they were talking about these things, Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still believing, or disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Let's, let's pray together. <clears throat> Our great God, we do pray that you would use your word 
in this good news to minister to each one, to encourage and strengthen and show us the Lord Jesus. For we do pray in his name. Amen. is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? That's, that's one of the biggest, most important questions that any of us could ever wrestle with. Who is this Jesus? I wonder if you just quickly consider this for a minute. Is there an answer to that question, right, the, the who is this Jesus question? Is there an answer to that question that would make you stop and say to yourself, wow, that, that really changes everything. Is there an answer to the who is Jesus question that you'd just be forced to conclude, wow, for, for me, for my world, that changes everything. It could be helpful to notice that for the, the apostles in, in our passage, that actually did change everything for them. Uh, the apostles are really transformed right, right at the, the hinges, this very scene, in many ways. Uh, just a few days before, these very individuals did not look hot at all. In fact, in Jesus' darkest hour, they were running from him. They were denying, they even knew Jesus with curses and oaths. Um, they, they struggled uh, to even believe the reports that the tomb was empty and that he was alive. They, they, they just couldn't believe it. It seemed, it seemed like an idle tale, foolishness. Even the very scene that Sunday evening, which we just read, where they're in that, in that upper room, John's Gospel tells us that they were huddled there with the doors locked because they were afraid of the religious leaders, that they were, they were next. And so here, here they start off as these fleeing, abandoning, Jesus-denying, petrified individuals. But in just a few days from now, we're going to see the same individuals, and they look completely different. Instead of denying this Jesus, they're proclaiming uh, his, his death and resurrection to everyone who will listen. Instead of being petrified and afraid, they're actually talking to the same leaders they were afraid of, and they are fearless. Uh, in the face of great, great threats, even to their very lives. Uh, everything changed for them. And it was the, who is this Jesus question? And how, and the answer that, that appeared before them, well, it changed everything for them. So what about for you? Could it be that who Jesus really is changes everything for you? Well, let's take a look. Let's look at these, these two scenes and, and try to get even more information about who this is and, and what, the, what a difference it makes for us. We'll do it under three headings. They're, they're listed there in your bulletin on page three, so you feel free to, to follow along. Here's the, here's the first. Who is this Jesus? Well, he is the living, resurrected Savior. So as we look at the first section that we read, the Sunday morning section, uh, and remember we've been, we've been saying, okay, at this time on the calendar, where was Jesus? Well, you look at that first Sunday morning section, and Luke's focus is really on where Jesus isn't. Right? That's really what the passage is about, where Jesus isn't. And everything, every little detail screams out, 
Oh, oh, he's not here. He's not here. Right? The women, the women come to the tomb early in the morning. They, they're bringing spices to anoint the body, perfume the body of Jesus. They know exactly where he was laid because they were there on Friday when he was put to rest in the tomb. Now the Sabbath over, they come to this very, this very place and every detail shouts, right? Stone rolled away. No body of Jesus in there. He's not here. Uh, there's, there's Peter looking in and seeing nothing but, but linen cloths that wrapped his body. See the message? He's not here. Of course, the angels are the most explicit. These men in dazzling apparel, angels, appear to the women, and, and they say it right, right out. Uh, why do you seek the living among the dead? Uh, he's not here. He is risen. You get, the, you get the message? It's all about where Jesus isn't. Uh, this, this scene where every little detail is all about things that are wrapped up in death, a tomb, grave clothes, uh, all of it. And what's the, what, what's the message? He, he, he's not here. He's not here. He's alive. Uh, he's alive. Then you go to the, the Sunday evening scene. So the first Sunday morning scene is where Jesus isn't. The Sunday evening scene, you actually get to see him. And he appears to, to the apostles and to the others there in that, in that room. Remember, they're struggling to believe it. Uh, they just can't wrap their minds around it. Even though he told them it would happen and they've heard reports that indeed he is alive. They're struggling to believe. And Jesus appears among them very patiently helpful to notice how patient Jesus is with those who struggle to believe. He's patient, but, but he, he shows them his, his very hands and feet, his real body. Uh, the, the body, hands and feet, which would have the, the nail prints, right? The nails that, that held him to the cross just days before, still visible, uh, those wounds, but yet he's alive, right? So not a spirit, uh, not a, a different individual who just happens to look like Jesus, but real flesh and blood. Again, the message, he is alive. And a very specific kind of alive, a resurrected alive. Right? Because it's, it's Jesus having left all the things of death behind, never to be touched again. Uh, Jesus transformed, not just he escaped death, but he conquered death, right? So that Sunday morning scene, everything has to do with death. Oh, he is definitely not here. He is done with it. Or the Sunday evening scene, uh, it's, it's the real Jesus body, but now a different, transformed, uh, made new. Jesus not just escaping death, Jesus conquering death. It's what resurrection is all about. Um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, if we'd kept reading in our scripture reading, we would have, Paul, Paul describes that difference between uh, the body before and the body after uh, the resurrection. So here was Jesus just a few days ago uh, with this same body, but it was perishable, weak. Now it's raised up, not just escaping death, but conquering it. And Paul says, imperishable, power, glory. Yes. Jesus doesn't just escape death, he, he conquers it. Do, do you see it? 
Do you believe it? Now, if we if we just stopped here, we might we might conclude, okay, I'm not quite sure that changes much for me. You know, that's that's really good for you, Jesus. Well done. Uh, but does that really impact me? Right? Maybe that's how you've maybe that's how you've interacted with Easter in the past. Uh, right? Good for you, Jesus. But does that really impact me? That's where we need to keep going and realize what happened to him does impact all his people, which is getting into the next two points. He is not just the living resurrected Savior, but because he is the living resurrected Savior, he is also the peace-giving Savior. So you go back to that, that, that scene in the evening, and he arrives in this resurrected body, and he arrives with a, a message, a, a declaration, a pronouncement. You see it there in verse 36. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Peace to you. Now, this is a, a, a fairly typical greeting in the ancient world, in the ancient Near East, you know, shalom, peace. Uh, it's how you could and often did greet someone. But it's very different on, on the lips of the now resurrected Jesus. Now, the king of kings who has conquered death, when he says these words, it's not just greeting, it is royal pronouncement. Peace to Think back to the last big religious holiday that we celebrated. Just a couple months ago for us in our calendar, the last big religious holiday, maybe you were in the same room a couple of, a couple of months ago, uh, dressed up, and, but we had, we had you know, different color flowers, Christmas flowers, and we were reading some of the familiar stories, the angels and the shepherds, and do you remember what the angels said to the shepherds about this baby that was born? What their, what their pronouncement was now that the baby had arrived? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. So the very beginning of Jesus' earthly life, the announcement is, oh, peace is arriving. Of course, he grows up, lives a perfect, righteous life, follows the law at every point, uh, teaches God's word, proclaims the good news, uh, heals, showing forth that he is that he's the, the righteous one, but also fully God, God the Son, the Messiah, dies on the cross, uh, and now has been raised up, and his message to his own, uh, as they, for the first time, he has them in a group, uh, the first message to them as a, as a group after that resurrection is peace to you. It's a pronouncement. It, it's, this is what he has just won and purchased. Peace to you, he says, to his followers. Uh, what Jesus did impacts you, he says. So it's not just, oh, good for you, Jesus. No, that he did impacts all who trust in him. And specifically, he, he goes to peace. Resurrection brings peace. Now, I want to quick go to another passage that really puts these two together. And you actually have the verse printed in your, 
in your outline. Um, it's jumping in the middle of the book of Romans, uh, and, and Paul unpacks this. There's a lot going on in these couple verses, but just see if you can see quickly how Paul connects resurrection and peace. He says, It will be counted to us to believe in him who raised from the dead uh, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, a lot going on, but can you see the connection? Raised means peace. Ah, raised for our justification. In other words, our, our becoming right with God. And Jesus, and here Paul says, it's, it's not just the, the work of Christ on the cross, it's, it's his resurrection that wins it. Peace. Peace with God specifically. Now that's, that's no small thing. Because as Paul's going to go on to write in this very passage, uh, we, uh, by, by nature and by practice, we're actually not at peace with God, we're actually at war with God. We're, we're by nature enemies of God. That's, that's what our, our, where our sin has us. Uh, all those times we break God's law, we don't love him with all our hearts, uh, we don't love uh, one another, uh, we, we break his commandments and rebel against him. Uh, and and as, a, as a people and as individuals, it has us, it has us separated from God in, in a state of warfare, hostility with God. Uh, headed ultimately for, for, for judgment, apart from some rescue. And the rescue is exactly what God purposes to do. And he does it through his son uh, to bring those who are, who are at war with him in order to reconcile, make peace, he sends his son. He sends his son to die. Uh, and, we, and we know as, uh, from other scripture that that death is him bearing our guilt uh, bearing the, the wrath of God that we deserve there on the cross. But that's not all of it. Paul says he was, he was raised for our justification. Uh, raised to make us right with God. Yeah, he has to be raised up because, because he's defeating every part of the ugliness of sin and what sin brings. Right? For him to truly bring about peace, every part of sin and its consequences has to be put to death. And so Jesus, having, having died physically, uh, bearing our guilt, now rises to conquer sin and the death that sin deserves. Not just for him, uh, but for all who trust in him. Right? So the resurrection brings about peace uh, with God. So, so you start to making the connection there. Easter is more than just good for you, Jesus. But what he did affects all who trust in him, right? What he did brings peace with God. It is through faith. Paul mentions that quite specifically. It's, it's through faith that we're justified and have this peace with God. So there, there is the, the, the first thing. You've got to be trusting in this Christ, in what he did. Uh, if, if, if not, you're, you're still separated from him. Uh, in hostility with God. But here is this, this victory that Christ won, and the, the call is trust in, in this. Receive this free gift. You don't deserve it. None of us do. But God gives it freely to all uh, who will confess him uh, and trust in him. But it, it also means that if, if you are trusting in Christ, uh, believer, can you, can you see the good news? 
Uh, can you see the, the pronouncement that God makes upon your life? Right? That's really what, what the, the words of the risen Jesus as he, as he comes. It's not just for the disciples. It's what he says to you, believer, this morning. This is his pronouncement, his, his banner over your life. Peace to you. Peace to you. And it all flows out of peace with God because of his resurrection. Fully forgiven for all your sins, cleansed, washed away. Uh, so that God uh, receives you as his child, his precious one, rejoicing over you as a, as a son, as a daughter. It means that God is both with you and for you. God is both with you and for you. I wonder if you ever struggle to really believe that. I wonder if there are times when it just doesn't feel like God is with you and for you. Typically, that tends to come when, when we start looking around into the details of, of our world, uh, our life, and, and we start to see just mess. Uh, and and we, we tend to think, this sure doesn't look like God with me and for me. Just look at all this. Uh, it sure doesn't look like it. Can, can I give you something to do in that moment that all of us really face? Right? Those moments when I, I don't see it. Not, here, here's something to do. Actually, it's, it's a question to ask. Ask yourself, believer, in that moment, this very simple question. Is he alive? Is he alive? Is Jesus alive? And, and maybe you, you in that moment can hear the, the echo of, of the angels standing by the tomb. He, he's not here. Or you picture that scene in the upper room where, where Jesus shows his resurrected body. And you remind yourself as you ask, the, is he alive? Oh, yes, he is. Well, in a very real sense, that, that settles it. Uh, it doesn't necessarily automatically change what you see or feel. But it does, it does give the ultimate pronouncement over, over your life and your world. It gives Jesus words, peace to you. It's, it's the guarantee that God is most definitely with you and for you. If Jesus is alive, that does settle it. That's the answer. Now, we still struggle to believe, and thankfully Jesus is very patient with, with strugglers, but here is the, here's the pronouncement, the banner over your life, peace to you. Uh, he has conquered everything that holds you back from, from life, and now he is most definitely with you and for you. Of course, that, that doesn't automatically clean up the mess that you see. Um, thankfully, God's not done. Uh, he's going to continue to work. Uh, if we had time, we could see how God, even in the midst of the mess, works uh, and is doing something even, even now. Uh, if you want to keep reading the book of Romans, you can keep reading, you'll get the answer. But let's fast forward all the way to the very end of the story for us, for those who believe, and, and we'll see how God brings, uh, brings us hope now because we know the end of the story, which is the fact that Jesus, being the living resurrected Savior, 
and therefore the peace-giving Savior, he's also the resurrection-guaranteeing Savior. Um, we, we heard, actually, Paul spell this out in our, in our reading in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, right there in your bulletin on the, on the flip side, uh, it's 22 and 23. Paul explains how this, how this works. He says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all, shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. So Paul says, for, for believers, those who belong to Jesus, those who are trusting in him, those who are in Christ, Paul says, it's basically like harvest time. Farmer goes out and sows the, sows the crop and, and harvest comes, but it doesn't come all at once. And there's, there's an initial part of the harvest, but that initial part of the harvest uh, is, is, a, is a picture and, and a guarantee that the whole rest of the harvest is really coming. And Paul says, that's the resurrection of Jesus. That, that his resurrection, that Easter Sunday morning, he's not here, he's alive, that is that first portion of the harvest. That's this preview and guarantee that the entire rest of the harvest is coming. That the resurrection, the, the being raised up in newness of life is coming to every single one of God's people. That that same thing we see in Jesus, transformed body, never going back to the things of death, no more mess in here, and a promise of a, of a world that matches, a resurrected world that matches, no more mess out there. Uh, it's coming. And Jesus is that first portion of the harvest that really previews and guarantees it all. In, in a real sense, as Jesus appears to his disciples in that room, and he shows them his hands and his, and his feet and how he is completely transformed, leaving all the things and ugliness of the world and death behind, what he is giving them uh, is a, a preview and a guarantee of what will be true for them. Right? A preview. This will be you. This newness of life. And a guarantee. Right? He's alive. That guarantees that in Christ they will be too. Uh, and so it is. So it is for us. Uh, we can look at that and say, okay, I know where the story ends. Right? I already have this peace now. Um, but sure, there's, there's still mess that's here. But Jesus here on this Easter Sunday gives us this preview and guarantee for all his people of where the story ends. That it ends what we see in him. A preview. Newness of life. Uh, complete transformation. Uh, a guarantee that we, not one of God's people will be lost. Look, uh, Jesus guarantees it uh, in him. So, who is this Jesus? Right? And we, we, asked, we asked ourselves, we rest, tried to wrestle with, okay, is there, is there any answer to that question that would force us to conclude, wow, that, that changes everything because of who Jesus is. That changes everything. That gives me, uh, gives me comfort, peace now. That gives me hope into the future. Um, can, I, can I tell you a quick story that kind of, I think, illustrates this? Um, some of you might have heard me tell this before, but it's worth telling again. 
Uh, it's about an individual I met almost 20 years ago. I was a, uh, a young, uh, probably still an intern, uh, ministering. One of the tasks I had was to do this monthly nursing home service. And one particular Sunday, went into the nursing home, a resident that I'd never seen before, a guy by the name of John Sampson. Never seen him before. Uh, very clearly younger than most of the residents who were there. Um, but you, you immediately were struck by the fact that he was uh, seriously ill. Um, it was clear that he had very severe diabetes because he had multiple amputations. And I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I, I have a sense of where that kind of thing goes, that it doesn't get better, that, that John, his future would be in that wheelchair and probably more amputations. And so here I am, this, this young kid, trying to think, like, how am I supposed to encourage this guy? Like, what, what, what am I going to say? And we, we went on with the, the service, sang a few hymns, had, had a little devotional. And then right as I'm about to, to wrap up, John chimes in and says, I, I have a song. And I'm thinking, um, okay, not sure how this is going to go, but okay, yeah, you can, you can sing your song. And then out of this wheelchair comes this booming, beautiful voice. You, you, you got to picture what this, this individual would have looked like, what John would have looked like with his wheelchair and his amputations and, and this sound, this beautiful voice and a song that I had heard before. Maybe you've heard it before. I won't sing it, but let me read you what he sang from that wheelchair in that condition and see if you can kind of make some of the connections. He sang this. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. And then I think his voice might have gotten a little louder on this part. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. So here's this man, body literally falling apart, but being able to sing from the depths of his soul that he has peace about the present, and he has hope for the future, and it's all because Jesus is alive. I hope you see what that story is really about. It's not about an extraordinary individual. It's a story about an extraordinary Savior. It's a story about a hope that's not just for one special guy, but, but a hope and a peace that God intends for all his people. That the risen Christ who has conquered death proclaims to all his own peace to you. A peace in, that in the midst of the, the ugliness and fallenness gives us, gives us hope now and gives us hope for the future. And that is true because of who he is, who this Jesus is. Do you see it? May God give us 
to greater, greater faith to trust it and know that peace more and more. Let's pray. Father, we, we do thank you for the mighty work of the Savior, your very son, your very plan, and that he has done it. And we thank you, Lord, for how it really does change everything for your people. Uh, and, and Father, you, you know our hearts better than we do, how, how we, like those disciples, uh, sometimes disbelieve for joy and struggle to, to really wrap our heads around it. But Father, minister your truth and your peace to all your people here. Give us greater and greater faith, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.